1: Back to the buzz brought to you by the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. I am Fran Chismar
2: and I am Tom Knesic. Welcome to episode 184, a special edition buzz episode. Yeah, and uh, Fran, I am ready to spin that wheel.
1: <laughs> Wait, no, no, we got contacted. Uh, uh, oh, okay. we got contacted. We have a winner. So, and talk about hitting the lottery. So, we we chose registration failed. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is Carol Pollard, who just also happened to be one when the line. my listener shot shout, shout oh, out okay. last yeah. week. So she got a shout out and then won a book. Yeah. So, uh, congratulations, Carol, and the book is being mailed out as we speak. So cool. I I yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, congratulations, and that didn't take anywhere near as long as I thought it was going to take yes. to get winners. Yes. I projected that we wouldn't give the second book away until New Year's. Yeah. <laughs> so. We did it by yeah. in two buzz in three weeks. Yeah. And here we are, bookless. <laughs>
2: Nothing to give away at Nothing, this point. We have we'll come up with something. <laughs> but but uh, before we get into all our great native plant information, we do have a couple other items of follow up to uh to,
1: now, I, wrote down, to and I, up on. I I do I wrote down in the notes that we we're gonna talk about something from your brother's trip to Japan. Yes. But I don't know what it was. I think we were gonna
2: talk about their invasive plants. And, there, there are plants and some of their, oh, their, their yeah. beautiful non-native street trees, which uh, <laughs> just so happen to be native plants here. Yeah, so it's not like what we're seeing here is not happening elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, it's, like it's he, it's the it's the inverse. It's like we're looking in the mirror.
1: Yeah, he sent us beautiful photos of naturalized areas of Japanese silvergrass, mm-hmm. which Miscanthus, which is invase, considered invasive here, and he he was taking pictures of them in in its natural, beautiful. Habitat, And then what was the one invasive plant that he was saying was a big issue, and it was something from here? I thought it was one of the goldenrods, but I don't remember. I I thought it was too.
2: See, I thought you remembered that.
1: I thought it was Canada goldenrod because I was like, well, that's an issue. Like even though it's a native, that can be a little bit of an issue here.
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And then, uh, then, yeah, all these um, uh, flowering dogwoods, the cornus floridus. Right, of course, Florida. Florida, Florida. that were uh, all their street trees <laughs> over there.
1: Yeah, it, it's pretty interesting, you know. And you you come over to Washington D.C. and you have all the the yep. uh, Japanese and Asian uh, cherries, yep, you know. Yep. But you go there, you get the American dogs. It's it's pretty funny. It's not what you think about, but it's it is like the the inverse. It's like the bizarro world uh, just happening on the, the other side of the the world
2: yeah and I forget who it uh who told me this at some point but it was um someone was saying if you want to see like the best like American plant gardens in the world you got to go to Europe
1: yeah I've that's, heard that <laughs> so
2: I've that's heard where that you're gonna see the best ones yeah because that's the new and interesting stuff for them yeah so
1: it's pretty interesting uh
2: the other piece of follow-up that I had was um I, I screwed up on my article a little bit last week okay not a big screw up it's Articles online are so saturated with ads today. Yes. That as I had – what I'll do for – and you do the yeah, same thing yeah. is we'll find the article, make sure we – we, like we'll copy out the parts that we want to read and put it in. So I had gone down, got to a point where there was a big ad and said, oh, that's the end. Copied what I wanted yeah. and moved it over to our document and then um, – so we could read it. And then uh, when I went back to close it on my desktop – um, I happened to scroll down a little bit. I'm like, oh, there was a whole bunch more. <laughs> and it was kind of like the the alternative aspect where you okay. had the researcher saying, hey, this is why you don't need cardboard, just use more wood chips. And then you had someone who was not a researcher but was doing it in practice saying, I have tried both. I have better luck when I use cardboard too. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't read the full article and uh, don't do what I did, scroll past that big ad and, and, you and have go, go down a little further. And then you can read, it didn't provide much... There wasn't much like scientific evidence that went into it, um, but it did go down a little bit further and uh, and explain the other side.
1: I don't even know if the votes up yet, as we're recording right now.
2: Uh, I th- believe it went up yesterday because I is added it? my disclaimer saying, "Oh, did you? Okay." Sorry, I forgot to <laughs> include part of the article. I'm curious. So. We'll,
1: we'll get a little real time. Let, let's see. Uh, Sir, you are leading right now. I don't know how many, but out of fourteen votes uh why won't it show me how many you well you're you're winning out of 14 votes Mm -hmm. Yep. so i would imagine it's something like eight to six based on the bars yeah yeah i remember does that equal 14 (laughs) yeah it was i remember it being about that last i looked okay um so it's pretty close yeah so you still have two weeks to vote right now probably a week and a half two weeks to vote so i apologize like i i went from covid to getting the head cold that the rest of my household had Mm -hmm. my my wife and stepson had a head cold when i had covid and then i got over covid felt good for two days and now i have a so if i'm coughing i'm trying to hit the cough button but i can feel one coming on already so oh yeah this there it was. Yeah, there it goes. There it went. I, I, no one no one heard it. I bet you they still hear it through your I microphone. I guarantee Fran still- just coughed. <laughs> <laughs> they, you probably hear it through your microphone, yeah, even though yeah, I yeah. muted mine. So
2: other little I, – I didn't include this in the this write-up here, and I think I brought up on our last buzz, which was only a week ago. Um, I got to give a presentation to New Jersey Farm Bureau at their annual convention.
1: I didn't even get a chance to ask you how that about, went. Uh,
2: about – incorporating pollinator habitat on farms and um it was one of those things i always like end up starting with a disclaimer and uh and say oh yeah i'm basically i'm like i'm not really an expert in this but i'm around i surround myself with a lot of smart people that are experts yeah and it's kind of rubbed off and it's yeah. kind of like the, all of them talking together and there was uh a lot of people afterwards that were really like complimentary of it that happens almost every time yeah like but um there's a an older farmer in our community who I've gotten to know pretty well, and uh, during our board of directors meeting later, he actually gave a big like they were saying what was what did people like about the conference? What did people not like? And he was like, "Man, that presentation was fantastic," and it was something he didn't have to say, and I don't think he said it just because I was sitting in the corner of the room <laughs> still there. But um, oh, that's awesome! Yeah, he that's he always nice. Told too. me like three four times how much he enjoyed it, and he's a potato and vegetable farmer in, in his eighties. And
1: yeah, just, if you can change someone's mind like that, that's a, yeah. that's a big start.
2: Yeah. But basically it was a lot of what we talk about here it was just, if you were to take uh 90% of our podcast episodes and sum them up into like a 20 minute presentation, that's what it was. Awesome. It was, it's more than saving the pollinators is more than honeybees. I forgot I was going to use the line. Like I got a little thrown off my game. <laughs>
1: This is because it's. You think about it; it's kind of a tough crowd. It, it is. Be, I because I don't know. I'm sure there's people that saw you come up yeah. and rolled their eyes. Yeah, not you, but just the the topic. And yeah, like, yeah, here yeah. we go.
2: And it's um, it's you have folks that are are actual like non-believers in this. Um, but then you think about the agricultural aspect of it. Is you have, uh, you have. People who are beekeepers. That's a yeah. form of agriculture that are there. They're in, I'm friends with them and they're in the crowd. Yeah. So, uh, I, there was one guy in particular. I'm like, I want to make sure if he's here or not. I'm, it might sway how I, I phrase this a little <laughs> bit. And then, of course, he's sitting in the front row. <laughs> I warned him beforehand. I'm like, I'm not going to go crazy on him, but I got to, I got to say the whole story. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so And I forgot to use the line that, like, keeping bees to save the bees is akin to yeah. raising chickens to save the birds. Yes. Um, but I don't know if it really would have hit home because a lot of the folks that are in that room, they've heard about the pollinator crisis. Yeah. They don't know that birds are in decline. I'm sure yeah. some of them do, but yeah. but I think the vast majority aren't in those circles that where they're getting that. Yeah. Uh, so I flashed that headline up there saying, Cornell study premier ornithology program in the world says we've lost three billion birds and that that caught people's oh
1: i didn't know i think i told you i was listening yeah. to a podcast and um it it had jane fonda on mm-hmm. it and she was talking about growing up in la yeah um uh, back before it was the la that we know today and she was talking about riding her horse to school and she was like they're like what's the biggest difference she's like the amount of birds yeah there was a lot of birds yeah you know, 50, 60 years ago, you don't really see them now. And it's just, it's, it's funny that probably people notice without noticing Mm -hmm. or without thinking of it that in depth.
2: Yeah. So uh, the, the, the funniest moment of the whole presentation for me was, um, was again, a lot of these folks I'm, I'm friends with and and know them really well and and love supporting their businesses and, 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 I come across a slide that I use often mm-hmm. about like the dream American lawn and house. Oh yeah, and it's got like the the perfectly manicured landscape. The lawn has the good lines in it. It's got.
1: I know the picture you're talking it's, about. It's so, like yeah.
2: the big house and um, and I pull up to that slide, and I'm thinking about oh I'm on stage and uh, the president of our New Jersey Farm Bureau is one of like the largest uh, turf grass growers <laughs> in probably in the country. Like yeah. he's one of the guys who has. Their stadiums are. Is it Tuckahoe? Yeah, yeah, Tuckahoe, Tuckahoe sod. If you are, they've done in the market for turf grass. That's the the place you want to go. I know they've done Lambeau Field stadiums. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like if you're uh, uh, the the sports teams. Yeah, all a lot of yep. their stadiums use their sod. Uh, that's how like premier and top notch it yeah. is. And he's this guy Alan Carter. <laughs> he's the president of our farm bureau and a really awesome guy. And I'm standing up there and I just kind of like stop. I'm <laughs> like I usually get to this slide and I have to. Like, well, just working in this industry, I've learned it's really cool because I'm on the cutting edge of ecological stuff. I get to rub like rub elbows with all the farmers. We're really cool and with nursery and horticulture things. So it's really like a really cool nexus of where all these things come together. But it also puts me in some awkward situations <laughs> where I got to be up in front of – like right next to one of the premier turf grass growers, and say turf really isn't great for pollinators. <laughs>
0: I would
1: have he got been, a good laugh out of that. I would have been like, that would have been one if I were standing there and saw him, and then saw the slide. I would have went, oh.
2: <laughs> but I think he understands it, and yeah. then I I follow that up and saying, but if you're running around with the kids in the backyard. You're not going to be able to do that in a field full of milkweed. Yeah, you need the turf in certain areas
1: or a soccer. So that, like if you're taking your kids to play, and soccer then I get, or baseball, yeah, I get yeah. to the
2: park slide with all the soccer fields. Like, <laughs> yeah, hey, you're not you're not playing soccer in a field of goldenrod. It's just not going to happen. Um, so, it's, and he 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 got a good laugh out of it, and he said, "I saved myself with the my two disclaimers." there. <laughs> so, um, that's awesome. No, it was, it was, um, like I said, I wasn't sure how receptive people were going to be because. The farming community uh, is aging rapidly. Yeah. I think every, every year we go through, like, so in 2020, the average age of a farmer might have been 57. In 2021, it became 58. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it just goes up as the years go up. There aren't a lot of new farmers coming in or young farmers coming in um, to this industry. And as people get older, they just, you get a little bit more set in your ways. That's just the natural yeah. thing to happen. Um, I think the native plant community is actually a community of early adopters. I, I agree. It's, yeah. it's people who are interested in new things and are the the sometimes the old dogs that did learn a new trick. Um, so yeah, I wasn't sure how it was going to be received because again, it's it's something it's been force fed down a lot of these people's yeah. throats and now they're going
1: to have it again. But um, but there are like we've yeah. talked about it. We know that Xerces has worked with many farmers oh, to yeah. create yeah. Poly- Pollinator edge habitat to improve farms, like especially specifically yeah. cranberry growers and things like mm-hmm. that. So, and the there are some people uh, that have adopted yeah, it. Yeah, my
2: overarching message for it was, yeah, I'm not telling you you need to to give up your livelihood so you can save the bees and save the birds and all that. Uh, that's just not going to happen. It's not feasible because you give up your livelihood, the land, you're losing the land. Yeah, so you need to be able to do this. So it's those edges where you can't get your machine into, like you okay, you got your your hedgerow, your ditch line, well, you gotta stay 10, 15 feet away. That's where you put your pollinator habitat. Yeah. That's like you're not using it. Now you don't have to go and maintain it and mow it and all that. You have something, you know, you're gonna have to mow it once every two years, which which a lot of times if, depending on the crop, they're gonna be doing anyway. Yeah. But um that's where you're gonna put it. And it's like you got to be cognizant if you're if you're using insecticides, you're not putting that pollinator habitat habitat downwind because yeah. no, then that's it's not true. helping. Yeah, that's true. And then you get into the vegetable uh, and fruit crop side of things. Oh, man, now it's like now you want to do this because if you're a corn and soybean farmer. You're doing it because it feels good. Yeah, Like it makes you feel a little better because you're putting in something that is – you know that there's issues with pollinators declining, birds declining. This is going to help that. Yeah. But it's not helping you monetarily outside of the NRCS programs that might pay for some of that. Yeah. Um, if you're a vegetable farmer, fruit farmer – Not only can you use uh, create pollinator habitat and help ecologically, you're also increasing your pollination benefit because it's the – honeybees are great at at pollination for most crops, but not all crops, but it's actually the diversity of pollinators are what create more thorough pollination. So having the bumblebees and carpenter bees and flies and all the stuff that's going to – beetles that are visiting those flowers – it's the diversity of pollination that is actually helping. The honeybees are good at what they do, but they aren't the most efficient pollinators. So now, okay, you had a honeybee go in, and they did their thing, and then a beetle goes in, and they do their thing, and now a bumblebee shows up, and they do their thing. You have more thorough pollination, which equals to a more, just better pollinated crops. So you're going to have more fruit set, or, or uh, uh, well, fruit set, basically, because yeah. tomatoes are fruit, eggplants fruit. Um and then it's going to be more uniform fruit set, too. So that's why, one, you're ha- so you have a, a financial benefit of inc- like having yeah. pollinator habitat for that reason, one. Second, you're attracting uh, your beneficial insects and your predatory insects that there's only so many aphids that are going to be in your little pollinator strip that you have in the middle of the field. Uh, and when those run out, they're going to go into your crop and look. Like, it's not like yeah, they're all... No food here, so we're just going to sit here. Like, that's not how <laughs> it works. They go and look for food. So they're going to get all the aphids, or not all, but they're going to start working on the aphids and, and pest insects that might be on your yeah. your crop. Um, so in those senses, it makes a ton of sense. Makes a ton and of there's sense. a lot of crops, eggplants I mentioned, tomatoes I mentioned. Um, one of the ones that uh, I just read about preparing for this presentation, or two things, are your... Uh, your vacciniums. So your blueberries, cranberries require buzz pollination. Oh, Okay. Honeybees can't do buzz pollination. Oh. So you have, uh, and bu- buzz pollination for those who don't know is, uh, bumblebees and certain species of bumblebees can actually like disconnect their wings. Um, and this is again, not an expert, very layman's terms here. Yeah. So if I miss describing as someone write in and, and tell me that I'm an idiot, um, so the honey or the honeybees cannot do this. bumblebees some of them can disconnect their wings and still buzz and it'll loosen up those pollen granules in the in the flower if like a honeybee goes in and just kind of rubs up against it, oh, it might get some, but it's not getting yeah. enough and then it goes from flower to flower, tomatoes eggplants, those kind of things. the bumblebee has to go in. Disconnect its winds, do its buzz, all that pollen now shakes off, lands on the bumblebee, it visits the next flower, and starts depositing, does it again, starts depositing and trading pollen, Um, which I did not bring that up in my presentation, again, because you have a few beekeepers in the room that I'm friends with, and one of the the big cash cows, not necessarily for them, but for beekeepers, is bringing and renting hives to uh, cranberry and blueberry farms. And um, and we've talked about it talked anecdotal about that, evidence yeah. before, where you have uh, blueberry farmers that I know that have stopped bringing in hives, and they have better fruit set, earlier fruit set, more uniform fruit set. Yeah. Which now, when they're bringing that crop to the marketplace, because it's earlier, because it's better, because it's more uniform, you have a they command a better price. Yeah. So again find it, they're they're saving money because they aren't spending eighty to a hundred bucks a hive yeah. for some of these places are bringing in hundreds of hives so you do the math and the tens of thousands of dollars there's are some spent money on yeah hives, there's some money there and then you're also getting the honey money you're getting a premium on your product yeah. and uh and they weren't making money off the honey anyway because yeah. the beekeeper got that yeah but um so yeah but and now the honeybees are still like I think peaches, apples, that kind of stuff. Yeah, you need you need honeybees or the like almonds out west. That's what you need uh, <laughs> honeybees for in a lot of cases. But that makes sense so.
1: considering most of those plants are native to where. Yeah, yeah and that's the bees where I from. think a
2: lot of it lines up is you start looking at your I don't want to call them native. Well, vex, um, your vaccinium. So again, your blueberries, cranberries are only a few generations removed from. What was originally found here in like even this region yeah. of the u s yeah. um you look at tomatoes you look at uh, peppers uh eggplant they're eggplant. I, I, actually I shouldn't say eggplant, but I know tomatoes peppers that goes back American roots uh South American North American but um so they're a little bit closer, but they are a far cry from what they were when yep. when they were discovered in America, yeah so. Um And uh, there's all peppers from all over the place, but there were peppers in North America, I'm pretty sure. Now I'm doubting myself.
1: Should've I'm not even, but... even going to jump into that one. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, so it was a cool. really cool conversation. I was. I don't do it for, for the compliments, but it's always nice to get some compliments when you It's nice to get done. it, yeah. And, um, and I think there was a lot of – there was someone who actually came up after and said they had to go out for a phone call, and they are like, man, I was really hoping to hear your presentation, and I'm really disappointed I I missed it, but I want to talk to you about oh, some stuff cool. later. So,
1: Very yeah. cool. Awesome. Awesome. That's it. I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't even yeah. – We've been so busy I haven't even had a chance oh, to yeah. talk to you about it. yeah. So, so all right. What do you th- – you want to want to talk about some native plants? Yeah, let's do it. Hot. Would you like me to go first?
2: Uh, yeah, because I right. said I was going to pick one, and I don't think I've picked one yet.
1: So I picked – Oh, yeah. No, I did pick one. Yeah, you pick yeah, one. picked one. Um, so my choice – this week is red chokeberry, and part of the reason why I picked it is it's fruiting like it has a very heavy berry set this year, and a lot of things are, are have a good mass this year. And this is another one that where it's noticeable that it's fruiting much heavier than normal. Um, so I chose red chokeberry, which the new botanical name is Photinia pyrofolia. It was originally Aronia arbutifolia, uh, and had been reclassified. So the new name's Photinia pyrifolia. Um, it's it's always weird when the the genus and the species get re, uh, renamed. Um, but right now, as I mentioned, bro, uh, heavy berry set with brilliant red fall color. Uh, this plant gets six to ten foot tall and can sucker and form colonies. You can make. Um, Decent jams, jellies, fruit leathers, uh, but it is very tart fruit if you're eating it, uh, but it is a little bit more palatable than black chokeberry. Black chokeberry is even more tart. Um, The plant itself can handle full sun to part shade, and it can take dry to wet conditions. I believe it's facultative or facultative wet, but it takes dry and wet. It's not a bird favorite, hence the name chokeberry, Uh, But it can provide late-season food for for birds like meadowlarks, catbirds, and cedar waxwings. And it's also the larval host for numerous moths and hair streak butterfly. Yeah, very cool.
2: It's a a really (coughs)
1: cool plant as well. So I think that's a good choice. It is, and it's because – it's not that the fruit lasts all winter because it's not the first choice. It's more persistent on the Mm -hmm. plant for later in the season. So it's kind of nice that you get that. Sometimes you see winter berries actually really – Heavily fruited this year, but yes, y- y- yeah. you tend to see it like some of the things that fruited early or was ripe early. Some of the cornice and viburnums mm. I'm noticing are already void of fruit.
2: And one of the things, I forget where I heard this or, or read it or whatever it was, but um, one of the things, because I've always thought it was like you look at it and say, oh, it's, it's bird preference. What berries or animal preferences? What berries go sooner versus later? Like winterberry holly tends to have its berries for a long time, and then one of the things that I, like I said, I heard or read was that the sometimes the berries need to go through like a frost, a a certain amount of frost cycles, of cold time before they actually are sweet enough. So the birds won't eat them because they just aren't they aren't sweet enough until they are sweet enough. Viburnum trilobum
1: like is one of those. It has to go yeah. through a few uh, frost thaws, yeah, in order for the fruit to get really sweet. When they they'll wait yeah. to preserve it, and like same with like diaspora uh, uh, persimmon diaspora. Maybe maybe you told me that, um, and maybe, but I know persimmon. Like you, you have to go through a couple f- uh, frost thaws to get that yep. fruit yep. ripe enough to eat, and that's why it's it's ripe later in the season yeah. because you have to get that a yep, little bit. Yep. So very cool. And what do you have this and,
2: week? Uh, yeah, my plant this week is Quercus rubra, which is, again, another plant that we've we've talked about. That is the northern red oak. Um, it is the state tree of New Jersey. That's not why I picked it, though. It's because there's a red oak in the uh, woods behind our farm where I hunt. And, uh, and while white-tailed deer don't tend to pre- prefer red oak this time of year, they will eat them if they run out of some other acorns. Kind of similar, though. They prefer white acorns first and they'll eat the red oak acorns later as the tannins start to break down.
1: The white acorns germinate in the spring. The white oak acorns will germinate
2: right away. Oh, in the fall. The, the red fall, the acorns red in the spring. Need to, That's right. To, to, okay. They'll germinate in the spring. Um, and uh, so I'll read a little bit, out, a bit about it from Jersey Friendly Yards. Uh, red oak is a medium-sized deciduous tree. It's monoecious. Insignificant separate male and female catkins appear in the spring. The acorns mature in early fall and provide food for birds and wildlife. Fall foliage is russet red to bright red, uh, but occasionally yellow-brown. It prefers fertile, dry, sandy soil, and, um, and is really good nesting space, cover, and shelter for wildlife as well as food. So, uh, And, oh, I'll include this too. It's the host plant to butterfly and marth, lar- marth larvae, including the gray hair streak. So nice, very good, like gray hair streaks a red oak. But uh, yeah, I found one. And um, for people who do like to hunt white-tailed deer, one of the things that white-tailed deer do to kind of like mark their, I don't want to say mark their territory, but to communicate is they'll make uh, something called scrape. So it'll just be like a brushed up area in the, in the soil or leaves on the ground. Um, They typically do it underneath some sort of branch and then they'll use that branch they call it licking branch. the hunters yeah. call it licking okay. branch.'ll they kind of like rub there's glands on their foreheads mm-hmm. in between their antlers for males, and it kind of like marks their scent there Okay. so the the those the female dealer will use those and and they like they'll actually pee in it too and All like right. rub their they have more glands on like their back legs, and it kind of like just marks scent so they can use it to kind of say, like I almost sure. here yeah <laughs> and um, but that's. A way that they'll – especially this time of year when you're in the, the whitetail rut or just after the rut, it's something that they're using to communicate and and find nice. each other to, to mate.
1: So, I have a red oak in my yeah. backyard right now, and I love that the the fall color is more brilliant than I've seen. Like I think we we were really lucky this year. Not only is it a mast year, we're, we're having a great color year for fall. Yeah. But yeah. the fact that red oak – or a lot of oaks hold their leaves longer – um, but the color is so brilliant. Like the one mm-hmm. in my backyard, like every time I look out the back window, I was like, wow, this yeah. is amazing. Like, yeah. I just feel fortunate this year. Like even red maples haven't really fully defoliated Yeah, right now. It's like, everything's been brilliant. The sugar yeah. maples, everything.
2: So, yeah. But I didn't bring up that whitetail yeah. deer fact just to spread a whitetail deer fact. It was, uh, because there were two of those underneath this red Oak that okay. I found in the wood. Yeah. I was, was like, just- I don't know if I ever came full circle on this. I might've gotten like
1: <laughs> 80% around the track and just never brought it home. So. But two great choices if uh, you have the space for a red oak, and, and it's a wonderful tree, and it provides uh, great larval host and also uh, food sources for wildlife and, and chokeberry. Uh, if you have a place, add them to your yard. Both great choices. I know we have a topic instead of this or that. Yep. You want to do listener shout-outs yeah. before? Yeah, we can do that. All right. Listener, listener,
0: shout out shout out, shout out, shout out, shout
1: out, shout out. We don't have a now that we've given away the books, we're not getting as many uh, reviews and comments as as we've had the last last. Which month. is okay. It's, it's just, okay. It only
2: hurts our feelings a little bit.
1: I I actually have a couple this week. Um, one is Austin Miller who uh reached out and had some kind words about the podcast. Uh, Patty Burns, who's a customer of ours and a listener, uh, called the other day and shared with us that uh, our podcast helped get her through the pandemic, and that they, those were really – that's about one of the biggest compliments that mm-hmm. you can give us. We were very uh, thankful, and Marshall Kutchen uh, reached out uh, via email to us. He had a, a question, but one of the things he said was that we're very real and very knowledgeable and deserve a much larger audience. And I oh, thought that was you. a very, very kind thing to say. So uh, even though we didn't have them in reviews, we had a lot of people reach out to us directly, mm-hmm. and we're always appreciative of that. We'll yeah. always try to communicate right back. Uh, if it may not be right away, but we always try to to say thank you. Yeah,
2: yeah. And then uh, mine w- one was from uh, Karen Schroeder, okay, who uh, who had purchased some plants, and I know that name. Just left the left the note saying that she really enjoys the podcast. So
1: I love it. Yeah, I love it. So. Do have a question or comment that came in, but I didn't have chance to vet it. You want to take a yes, risk and just play it? We'll, we'll do it live. All right, here you go.
0: Hi, fellas! It's your old friend, Saul Saul Rosenberg, and uh, I'm excited to be with you for your Thanksgiving show uh, and parade. And I'm excited to be on it, uh, Thomas. I wanted you to know, uh, Mr. English Muffin, that I left a five star review. Uh, for your TV show on the MySpace page, so that should help you out a little bit. And gosh, I've been so busy, Pam. Thank you for the lovely uh, floral arrangement. Uh, a lot of you folks know out there, the viewers, that I've been so busy with the hit uh, Broadway uh, parade uh, show, the play that I'm in called Litmus, uh, which uh, Pam, as as you well know, uh, is about the uh, Litmus paper. Uh, and, and the discovery of that, which was very exciting. Uh, it was discovered by Dr. Arnold de Villanova of Spain, and uh, he was a physician. Uh, Pam, that means he was a doctor. Anyway, guys, <laughs> I thought we would talk uh, briefly about uh, a more traditional uh, native Thanksgiving, which would, of course, feature wild turkeys, uh, which the uh, pilgrims, would fatten up with celery and a stale <laughs> French bread. So they didn't have to make stuffing uh, separate. Uh, they were hosted of course, by the indignant people who were already here. And I call them the indignant people because they really got a short end of the stick of that whole deal, I think. Uh, but more appropriately, they would be the indigenous peoples uh, who uh, shared their maize or corn uh, squash was abundant, so they would probably roast some squash, although they didn't really have pumpkin pies, uh, venison, uh, which is very popular roadkill these days, I understand. Uh, of course, uh, cranberries, blueberries, and perhaps, uh, they would all enjoy, uh, a, uh smoking some tobacco, which I know is not, is frowned upon now, uh, and some gulfuria tea. Um, Pam, I understand you've been putting up your persimmon uh, jam again, and uh, thomas mr. English muffin I, I I hope Pam will share that with you uh, because it is absolutely delicious. Um, fellas I had a, a bit of a history I thought I would share with all of you. Oh, and Pam, by the way, congratulations on on being married. I think that's wonderful, it's a bit puzzling. Um, and uh, I, I, Mr. English Muffin I hope you and your family are well uh, so fellas that's about it right now uh, come see the play I've set aside uh, uh, prime tickets for all of you and I, I will set some aside for your listeners as well thank you guys again this is your friend Saul, Saul Rosenberg Happy Thanksgiving
1: Wow, how long has it been? I was going to say, that was a blast from the
2: past. There are, again, I said this the last time Saul come in, called in, but there's a, a whole bunch of people who are very confused right now <laughs> um, listening
1: to this. It's, it's been so long that he just congratulated me on my wedding, which we celebrated our one-year anniversary back in July. So uh, it, it's been, probably been a while since Saul called in. For those of you that know, know, uh, but... Are you going to go see litmus? I I, I've, I know he may have uh,
2: been a little sarcastic about how exciting the discovery of litmus paper was. But apparently, I would assume that when it was discovered, it was probably very exciting. The person who discovered it was probably thrilled. I would imagine
1: it yeah. was a major breakthrough.
2: I actually Googled it as he was talking, saying, <laughs> when was litmus paper discovered?
1: So. And... uh I I don't know where he's getting his facts from, but I've never made a persimmon jam.
0: You know, if I did, I would share. Yeah, I
2: thought he was trying to make a joke about like the the person who discovered litmus paper <laughs> and something about Villanova, which the university. Yeah. but no, the guy's name was Arnaldo de Villanova, oh, okay. a Spanish physician, which is a doctor, <laughs> Pam. Um, <laughs> And he used litmus for the first time around thirteen hundred. Oh, wow!
1: So, and, and it was a and,
2: blue dye extracted and, from some lichens, um, or the blue dye was extracted from some lichens uh, from so, the sixteenth century onwards, especially in the Netherlands.
1: So it's uh, wow, that's interesting. Very interesting. Are you so are you going to go see it? It's n- and now a, a musical, apparently. Yeah,
2: I uh, I think that sounds thrilling. I so. would love
1: to talk to Saul to find out what's confusing about my me getting married. <laughs> yeah, 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 so just curious what he meant by that maybe so. you
2: ask him at the play
1: all right yeah when he's uh, on maybe stage. he'll leave us yeah. ticket you think he'll give us free tickets well that's what he said right yeah he yeah saved us some yeah. some will call yeah i'll just saw yeah. <laughs> what did you mean <laughs> it's pam <laughs> <laughs> all right so we do have we we mentioned earlier that oh i never even played I the
2: will, uh and i'll i'll follow thing. up on his um his uh, like, original Thanksgiving meal, because that was a, what he listed was probably really good information about what would have been consumed. And I know there was shellfish was a big component of the too. think oysters. Like oysters. Like yeah. oysters. And, um, I, again, I I don't remember where I read this. I want to say it was either 14... Uh, it couldn't have been 1492. I don't remember what book it was. There was a book I read about, uh, like, early Native American and and European... Um, interactions and they what they referenced with that first thanksgiving was um, with native american tribes and indigenous tribes one of the things that like when they were warring and and fighting that would signify a surrender is when you had a like a great feast Oh. Or the victor. So, like, if you okay. were the loser, you would host the feast, feast for the victor. Gotcha. So, it was a contentious relationship, I think, when the, the pilgrims arrived in Massachusetts. And um, But the Native Americans did teach them some stuff about how to live. and then, Survival. Uh, yeah. and, and survival and what to eat. And what was, uh, from the European perspective, was a feast of gratitude and thank you. The Native Americans... That thought was a feast of "You're going home now, <laughs> and, see you later." <laughs> and, yeah, did not
1: realize that uh, they were staying. Yeah, that yeah. they were actually staying. Yeah, so, so there was a, a another message that came in before that that was cut off a little bit. I'm just going to play a little bit to yeah. see what it was. Yep. Uh, just, I'm a little curious here. Let's see.
0: No, not right now, Barbara. No, just put it in the oven, hon. I'm going to be on. I'm on the television program with the native men. You know Pam and, and uh, Mr. English. Yes. Okay, thanks, honey.
1: Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: didn't realize when you said that it was from the same person. Yeah.
1: I, I didn't either, yeah. but I guess we, we found out. So. Yeah, he's an old friend of ours, so it's uh, Saul, good to hear from, if, from Saul. If you don't know who Saul is, that means you haven't listened to our mm-hmm. back catalog. We don't hear from Saul as often as we used to. Yeah. At so. one point, he was our only caller. Yeah. When we were
2: asked for questions and comments, he was the only person who called.
1: Listen, I don't remember what episodes they were, but if you really want question and comment line gold, you have to go back and find the bird lady from Mary Poppins and the Bird Lady from Home Alone. So yeah. the things we which yeah, both the things have we called do for for, <laughs> for call content back in the day. Was yeah. something you gotta go back to some early buzzes. So <laughs>
0: Stay tuned for more of the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. Welcome back to the Native Plants Healthy Planet podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery.
1: So we, in in lieu of um, this or that this week so that everyone would have a chance to vote on last week's um, we decided – and the fact that we're doing back-to-back buzzes, we decided that in the last buzz, we brought up other native plant podcasts, and we thought we would share some of the ones that we've we listened to. Um, Tom, you're probably a much bigger podcast listener I, than I, I am. I listen to a lot. <clears throat> so we're going to name uh, – oh, and I see you named some that I forgot. So, yes, um, I did. So I know some of these. Some of these I know of but haven't listened to, and some of them I don't know at all. So – you want to you want to just go back and forth a little bit uh yeah 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 we can do whatever you want all right um you know because i know i let you know when i, I don't added know a what. lot more that, yeah yeah than than
2: what you had on so
1: here. you know and what's nice is a lot of these people are former guests of ours also so mm-hmm. the the first one we have listed and they're in no particular order we're just bringing light to there's a lot of options out there for native plant podcasts one mm-hmm. we thank you for listening to us Two, if if you want to know more, there's a lot of other good podcasts out there yeah. where you can supplement yeah. supplement the listening to us.
2: Yeah, and sometimes it gets a little bit more in depth in that particular field.
1: Yes. So, uh, number one, we have listed Jumpstart Nature, which is Griff Griffiths that who we just had on uh, just a few episode, three episodes ago, mm-hmm. and uh, Griff is such a a a fantastic one. He's he's knowledgeable. But two, he's a great personality and can present things in a way where it's simplified and entertaining and you can't stop listening. So Mm -hmm. Jumpstart Nature I think is a way where he brings up a lot of the topics that we've talked about, but they're shorter and sweet. They bring on a lot of the experts. They make those topics palatable um, so that you can – I think a beginner can easily listen to this and get a lot out of it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, one that uh, that I will then uh, bring up that is not on your list, friend, because I realized that we forgot to put it on there, and many of you listen listened to this already, is In defensive of Plants. Yeah. Um, really, something I used to listen to a lot more before we started doing our own, and uh, every once in a while, I just pulled it up, too, and I'm like, oh, there's one or two that I really think would be interesting to listen to here.
1: And, we can name but, them. Um, and like I said, some of them we can speak a little more intimately on, maybe some, not as mm-hmm. much,
2: but... And that's one where they did such a good job of uh of going really in depth about certain topics and we with our approach were much more beginner level. Yeah. Was the idea. Yeah. So yeah.
1: Yeah, no, totally. And you wanna pick the next one?
2: Yeah, I can pick another
1: one. All right.
2: I was gonna let you do the next one. All right,
1: all right. The uh restoration conversations mm-hmm. um which is jean lynch who's a customer of ours and she's worked for i believe new jersey audubon and, and so many other uh great places but she got inspired from listening to us and wanted to go more in depth on some of these restoration projects uh and people that mm-hmm. are are really involved in restoration and have a much broader conversation there's not as many episodes yeah uh but the episodes that are there are really good
2: yeah that's all what i was going to say with that podcast in particular is I, I wish it was, uh, more than a, a twice a year thing. Yeah. That's yeah. I do too. There's a lot of really good stuff there. So I
1: get excited when it comes out and then you have to wait. Uh, but it's, I love the idea of it Mm -hmm. and I love where it's going.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So then, uh, we actually had John McGee from the native plant podcast way back on, on a panel, uh, about using native plants at home. I, I forget the title of the episode, but that was basically what it was about, um, and uh, yeah, that was another one that he was the only game in town for a long time. That for a long time, talked about native plants, and um, and again got really in depth, really in the specifics on stuff, and
1: and kind of made it fun too. Yeah, in depth, definitely. but but fun. Definitely. And earn
2: <clears throat> that uh, earn that explicit label by yes. cracking a beer at the end.
1: Yes, so. but we we see John every year at a, an industry trade show in January, and every year he contemplates hanging it up. So. Every new episode you get from John consider it yep, a gift yep. because I know you know and one of the things that we've talked about with other podcast hosts is eventually we all start sharing the same guests. When mm-hmm. you look at our guest list, you yep. look at some of these other guest lists, you're going to see a lot of turnover and you have to therefore try to make it different. Mm-hmm. Say this person has been all these what can I do differently?
2: Yeah. One and one of the funny things with uh with the Native Plant podcast is they record all their episodes over the winter. Yeah. and then release them over the year. And twice it's happened to us where, because ours are we're recording usually within of, a month, yeah. uh, if not a week, of when we're, this is going to air. And um, twice it actually happened where they had a conversation they recorded in January that they were going release in August, and we had the same guest on the yeah. same week. Um, I'm thinking like Uli Lorimer was the last one. Yeah. It happened with Kyle Lieberger one time. It was like, with Kyle, with Kyle we've, we our guest bailed and we called him up and said, Hey, can you come on like this afternoon? Like and now. he did. Yeah. And then we both released our podcast the same day with and uh. it was like conversations six months
1: apart, but Yeah. But, Which is uh. you know, we always cringe a little bit when that happens because it's not done on purpose, it's just accidental. But um next podcast is another former guest, uh, Shannon Tremboli from Backyard Ecology. And if you want like a very inviting, informative conversation. Uh, there's something about Shannon's voice that's just puts you very much at mm-hmm. ease. Uh, she's extremely knowledgeable. She can go a little bit more in-depth but, again, makes it palatable for the average person. And it's just such a kind and informative podcast. It's hard not to like it.
2: Yeah, yeah. And then uh, the one I thought you were actually going to say, Fran, but you skipped okay. over. It was a late edition. It was completely arbitrary. Oh. Because you listen to that
1: more than I do. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I I – was leaving that one for you but. oh okay
2: yeah no you don't have to no okay <laughs> you can take it if
1: you want all right I so can skip it completely arbitrary again former guests uh casey and uh why am i drawing a blank casey Clapp and alex Croson. Alex cross thank you uh and it's not all native plants even though they they do talk about some native plants and and a long history they go really in depth mm. they do their research and they're giving you a story and They'll even have trees that are invasive and then explain to you why they're invasive and why they're bad. And mm-hmm. they rate each tree at the end so that you know this is a good tree or a tree with merit and this is a tree that doesn't deserve merit. But they have those conversations. They don't just skip over things like Pyrus uh, yeah. They They have that conversation but with a knowledge and a depth but in a storytelling way. Mm-hmm. Like, they have a way of weaving a story that makes it entertaining and pulls you in, exactly, regardless yeah. if it's a native or a non-native.
2: Yep. yep. There you go. And um, the next one that we had on here, another uh, – well, I think she was a guest. I know she's a listener, but she, the Wild she Story – She wasn't a guest. They weren't a guest. We They hosted our live podcast. Yes. That's yeah. That's what happened. But um, is uh, one of the hosts is Kim Carrero from the Hudson Chapter – of the native plant side in new jersey they actually started a a podcast called the wild story which i've listened to a couple episodes now uh brought up on the last our last episode too um and it has like poetry nature poetry woven in and then they have some really good uh gardening
1: it's a really different approach inspirational guests yeah
2: it's yeah it's a lot different than most of the other things you hear out there so a little more flowery than us you want to go?
1: You want to go with another one? Since I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. because so we're going to hit a point we're where I don't the ones know that, a lot. Uh, of
2: yeah, these are a lot of the ones I added late. We should have like mixed them in. That's Um One that I really like from a, like a habitat management standpoint, and uh, is and I listen to a lot of hunting podcasts, um, but there's one called Land and Legacy, and uh, it's Adam Keith and Matt Die, and they're two folks that I listen to a bunch and and really love their advice on uh, now like their their native plant focus is more on attracting wild game. Yeah. But they're also like, well, it's the same stuff that's going to attract bees and birds and <laughs> butterflies and all the other stuff that's really cool. But, uh, but if I go to and, – and they're habitat consultants by yeah. trade. So they're going to farms where the guy wants to hunt big deer and, and turkeys and <laughs> that kind of stuff. They go to their farm, and then they're like, if I say, hey, you can plant all this stuff and get birds and bees and, and – butterflies. The guy's going to laugh me off the farm. If I say you plant this, you're going to have bigger deer here. You're going to have healthier deer here. Uh, and then you're also going to be supporting pollinators. Then they're all in like, that's, they're like, Oh, I'll spend a a bunch of money on that, but they wouldn't just do it for, uh, they want that, uh, that extra compensation from their, their hobby as well. So, um, but they can really walk you through how to do some of this stuff. Um, the importance of like of thinning timber and opening up and daylighting
1: uh, some of these forests, and these are all things that really, we touched really cool on, stuff. but not in a way that they do. Yeah, you know yeah. they're going in depth.
2: They have like a really a really big following, and the w- one I'll add on there because it's on the same uh, platform, but you have uh, a little spin-off show um, with two actually two guys that do this that listen to them started their own show called Sawdust to Fire, which you think about. And what I just said is you want to create habitat, it's using a chainsaw making sawdust and then running fire through it. To, there you it's, go. And they kind of do um, more like landowner aspect versions of that. So, But if you were like boots on the ground, especially if you're into the, the hunting and, and land management side of it, that's a really, really good one that I'd be surprised you weren't listening to already.
1: Yeah, um, I'm going to skip around a little bit because I don't know all of these. But Dear Humans is one that we actually shared. Uh, yeah, uh, we, ad, we shared ad ads. Advertising and yeah. I, I'm trying to remember uh, the host of Dear Humans. But she was a college student mm-hmm. that was doing this as a project. And yeah. when she approached us about sharing ad space with each other, and she sent the first episode. We're like, yeah, we want to do this because yep. it was a very in-depth. Just what the deer problem looks like. It was it was managed more from her perspective in Long Island, yes, uh, yep. or her experience in Long Island. Mm-hmm. But just how how it affects community, how it affects forests, how it affects in, uh indigenous tribes, how mm-hmm. it affects just health yep. health reasons. It, it was I think it was a four part series. Yes, I believe four, four yeah. one-hour episodes. I believe so. It's uh, not a long listen, but it's a very worthwhile yeah, listen. Definitely. definitely check that one out if you don't know.
2: Yeah, one I listen to again on occasion. It's I I have all my like hobby. This is one of the things that's uh, probably interesting is people are listening to this because it's something they're passionate about, but their job is different. Like they might work in finance or, or something else, but they love listening about native plants. And this is where they come for their like their respite, uh, auditory respite. That's in that would be a cool band name, friend. Oh, auditory respite. I, I think I'm using words. those words properly. I'm right? writing that. down. Uh,
1: <laughs> I actually started a band name. Not that I know how to play any instrument. Yeah. It's a band name. Uh, notes in my uh, yeah.
2: phone. But uh, where I I'm listening to com- not this is what I do for a living. So I'm listening to other stuff that are some of my other hobbies. Um, in addition to using native plants, but um, so when I run out of those, I'll listen to some of the, the native plants. They'll just to stay in the loop,
1: you want to hear some of my my band name ideas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you a Parks and Recs fan? Yes. So Andy's list of band names, I don't remember. It's that, season but, one yeah. when he goes through all the names of the, his okay. what his band band were? Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have Dead Society, Poets, Garden Sounds. Kangaroo Kicks, Kangaroo Punch, Lucky Charm Bracelet, Five Head, Three Head, Telephone Mutiny, Crunch Captains, Dogfish, Fish Dog, crusty Tude, Liniment Stick, Three Sided Square, Four Sided Triangle.
2: And now Auditory Respite. Auditory Respite.
1: I'm going to leave that one for you. That one's yours. (laughs) Auditory Respite. Very punk, friend. Very, very punk. (laughs) Anyway, I was talking about the podcast Growing Greener
2: by Thomas Christopher. They run out of the Berkshire Botanical Garden. Um probably a lot like smoother listen than, than what you hear with us, but some really good conversations yeah. um, and someone I've been meaning to reach out to about collaborating on some stuff at some point, uh, just haven't done it yet.
1: So uh, I'm just trying to see yeah. once here that I can yeah. talk
2: I'll, I'll do I'll double up because again, most of these are ones I you, added.
1: You skipped over
2: what did I skip over? You skipped
1: over native habitat project. Oh, I you was want gonna to let you talk it? about I, that one.
2: I, it's because oh. I uh I accidentally highlighted it on my page. So I'll talk about it. well, do you want to talk about it? Because you don't know. No, anymore. I'll let you talk. It. All right, I'll so let you I'll talk, talk about. about the Native Habitat Project, uh, which is a, a it's been a year since they lost the episode. I was their last episode, which is not a Were you really the last, I was episode? the last episode? I know they, they were had. having
1: some issues and getting they want, guests. They want
2: like, to have um they want to kick it back up. They're just too yeah. busy. So it's like it's so something they, good, yeah. they like they got uh, they were were had an advertising appeal people were, were actually advertising with them um, but they just have so much else going on with their business that they haven't been able to relaunch it. I talked to Kyle about a month ago now and uh, maybe a little more over a month ago and he was saying, "Man, we really want to do this and just it's hard to find the time. It is so
1: it is and it's it's hard to organize. You know, fortunately, oh, yeah. it's it's part of our jobs." Yep. which makes it a little bit easier because you can carve out a piece of, mm-hmm. of time and say, I have to do it. I'm going to go to the end and point this one out because you were a guest on this podcast, and you never really – I don't know if you ever announced it. Plant a Trillion Trees. Yeah. I. You know what? I I realized like way
2: after that I forgot that, that you didn't I was like – because it didn't come out like right away, and then it was like a couple weeks went after it was on, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I never told anyone I was on <laughs>
1: At that point, it was kind of too late to do that. But it's a great concept. It's yeah. Eva Menheim, um, yep. and she talks to people like in all aspects of of arboriculture and native. It's not all native plants. It's but it's people doing good work uh, in the scope of planting trees or making sure trees are being planted. So it may be um, arborists or, mm-hmm. or or gardens or arboretums or architects or designers. But it it kind of the goal is, hey, let's plant a million trees. Let's talk about people that do it and their story. So they kind of – like for your episode, it was the story of how you got in the business and what you do and, and why you mm-hmm. do it. So it's – if you want to know more about Tom, go back to uh, Plant a Trillion Trees and find his episode. You yeah. looking to see what episode number it is? No,
2: I wasn't. <laughs> I was looking at the, the next one because I couldn't remember who the host was. Uh, There's two names that popped in my head. I'm like I don't remember which one's the host. But there's a, a newer podcast called Go Native, The
1: Business of Native Plants, um, hosted by Cammie Donaldson. and So it's a lot of Florida yes. Florida yep. nurseries and Florida native plant. Nursery.
2: And um, yeah, so that's a fascinating one for people who are in the native plant business because it kind of gives you – you can listen to how some other native plant nurseries are, are operating and doing things.
1: Yeah, um, we have uh, Cultivating Place, which is Jennifer Jewel, and that one's been around for a while, oh, yeah. and it's a, it's a very popular one, and it's – uh, again, a unique way of presenting some of these uh, stories and ideas that – I don't know. It's it's mm-hmm. like much like – if you like listening to Shannon Trimboli yeah, at Backyard Ecology, I think you would very much like Cultivating Place.
2: Yeah, and some of the, the next few are ones that I don't get to listen to as much um, but I'm aware of and I know they, they aren't necessarily native plant specific but they, they – dabble like, with it from time to time. And like, that's uh. well, crime pays botany doesn't is actually one where he's really heavy in the native plants. Now
1: I'm familiar so. with it, but I haven't listened yeah. to it. So uh, I, his I don't YouTube
2: know. channel, I think is a lot bigger than his podcast is, Okay, but, um, his podcast is actually, uh, it's one, the language is cleaner. Yeah. And, uh, and then, <laughs> then two, it's, um, just really just like interesting stories. Uh, there's a couple episodes when I was looking, setting this up, um, I was like, oh yeah, I got to go back and listen to this one, this one, this one. It had been a while since I last listened to to them. But um, and someone that I've also been trying to reach out to to actually do a, a co podcast oh, yeah. with us. Um, you have uh, Margaret Roach's podcast, A Way to Garden. Yes, and um, very popular. Yeah, uh, in, and in she podcasts. she talks about native plants through her podcast and her uh, her New York Times column more and more frequently. Yeah.
1: And and another one like that is the Joe Gardner Show, which I think as if you look at his more recent podcast, it's more focused on native plants, uh, or the the Joe Gardner show. Um it's really started to focus more over time towards native plants. And he uh he even reached out to us just to like they they reached out to Melinda Solstice who mm-hmm. was a guest of ours. Yep. So he had um the crouch is on yes, uh, yep. about the HOA. And he, he wanted to talk to Melinda and, and uh, he, he said some very nice things about our podcast. Mm-hmm. So yep. we're very appreciative of that.
2: Yeah. And then I, I just listed some of the stuff that was kind of like affiliated to the, the outdoor space, but not necessarily native plant related. Um, some stuff that I'd like to listen to cause it was either a little more historical or philosophical or, or just something that's kind of Unrelated, But they were talking more and more about uh, this kind of stuff. So this is just some of the stuff I listen to. There's a, a podcast that actually hasn't had a new episode since August called Woodside, which has got Ben O'Brien, um, who's an outdoorsman, used to work for Yeti at one point. And he was working for oh, NRA. Okay. Um, but uh, this is over a year ago now. He had a line because uh, he lives in a, a suburb in um, of uh, Bozeman in Montana. Montana. And he's like, I'm pulling into my, my, like my development. And I'm looking at everyone has like a grass lawn and this, like this tree and that, and it's all the same. And then I look over at like what they didn't develop and it's all like natural environment. And I'm like, this isn't supposed to be here. That's what this is supposed to look like. So why do we all do this? And so he was having some of those thoughts. I actually reached out to him about it and I never heard anything back. Right. Like it happens often, but, um, but he's just, he's, in the outdoor space, in the hunting space, but he's thinking about these things. And uh, really, his Woodside and then his former podcast, which was called The Hunting Collective, really dove deep into, like, the ethical aspects of being in the outdoors, gardening, uh, uh, farming, hunting, all that. And, um, yeah, and he actually had uh, one of... He did a couple spinoff podcasts of Woodside, too, one of which was called Hunter and Vegan okay from... This is where it gets a little convoluted. He, from one of his old podcasts, he had on uh, a professor uh, who was a vegan, and they taught something a class about veganism and like the, the history of veganism or something like okay. that. And he had him on just saying like to kind of understand because you think like they're they're opposite ends of the the yes horseshoe here, but they really have a lot in common. Yeah, it's like well, we don't like big agriculture and factory farming and that's why we do the things we do but it's like he's kind of started that first conversation to explore well what was it that drove you that way and me this way when we had the same issues with the same problem um and uh they end up making their own podcast where they kind of like just had a friendly debate and it was like of those issues Like, how do you feel about this and, like, why does it drive you that way? It drives me this way. And they're friends, and they, like, really come together, and they're saying the same things, but for, like – For different reasons. They yeah. went got to the same place or completely different places for the same reasons, and it's just interesting hearing that thought process, how they're, like, on the same team and on the same page just doing completely different paths.
1: Oh, that's interesting. You know, um, I'm going to check that one out. Yeah,
2: also. yeah. And that was just, like, a, I think it was an eight-part series they did okay. together. Um, there's another podcast I listen to called your mountain, which really dives it's out West it's Wyoming, but it dives into some of the politics behind what's going on in natural spaces. Again, two guys who, who, uh, the lawyers one, and then actually they were supposed to come on at one point. They said, they, they said, Oh yeah, we definitely want to do it. And then we just couldn't get something scheduled and then kind of fell off the radar. Mm-hmm. Probably someone I'll reach out to yeah. again. But, um, because we want to dive into like the infrastructure bill yes. and all that kind of stuff, what does that mean for native habitats? Yeah. They're looking at more from a wildlife perspective. We're looking at it from a plant perspective, but it's the. Realistic, I was looking the, forward to that one. Yeah, stuff. it it's, just didn't
1: happen. So
2: they break down some of the, like the legal things that are going on, primarily out west, but what it what the ramifications what are for wildlife land access, that kind of stuff. Um, this one's is like completely different. And uh, it's called We Measure the World. It's put on by the Meter Group. And uh, and Meter, if you're familiar, is like a, a – it's a scientific company. They build scientific instruments made for like um, what environmental measuring, I guess yeah. is what yeah. – you can use it in labs too, but it's like soil moisture meters and weather stations and that kind of stuff. Um I listen to it more from a nursery perspective because they build a lot of or they build some stuff that we use here and uh, just trying to measure soil soil moisture but you have some they have some really smart people on well, that sounds kind of awesome and like get into their little niche of why they're measuring soil moisture in like the desert in Arizona and like on how it's changed over the years and why it's it's a sales pitch in a way because yeah. they're saying like this is why using this equipment is important, but so go use just it. some yeah. really, uh, really fascinating uses for that stuff. Um, Gamekeeper podcast is put off put on by Mossy Oak, and Mossy Oak has a native nursery. Oh, okay,
1: I, I was wondering if you're going to so, bring that one up. I didn't know the name of their podcast. Yeah, yeah. Right. So
2: that's uh, in the outdoor spaces, like a, a top or wilderness. I think is the category is like a top podcast, but um, they have. A, I I'm recommending that just for this segment. It's got Dudley Phelps, who runs Mossy Oak Native Nursery. Really cool guy, and they have an Ask Dudley segment on that show right. where people write to him about plants. And they have a lot of plant-centric episodes. Uh, Kyle Leiberg has been on there, um, along with a lot of other folks that are talking about like helping kind of how Land Legacy was, yeah. building uh, native habitats. Uh, last couple I had here were, uh, well, one, the Hunting Public. Again, a hunting-focused channel they are getting more and more into, like, habitat restoration. Okay. And it's like, oh, yeah, why? why? And it was kind of from their own observations as people hunted primarily on public land, what they were seeing when they went places. And like, oh, there's uh, the Conservation Reserve Program, and it has all these native grasses and wildflowers in it. Why are we seeing more big deer there than than in yeah. these farm fields or vice versa? And that, So that's kind of how they got into it. And one of the hosts... Is uh the guy Zach Farrenbaugh and uh, has a guest on um, and I'm blanking on his last name. His name is Ben. I'm blanking on his last name. Robinson. Ben Robinson. Okay. Ben Robinson went to college with my brother. Ben is actually oh. agreed to be on our show yes. too. Yes. <laughs> so, All right. Now
1: I okay. So, I know where you're at. Now. But
2: he's actually started a company where he does this kind of habitat restoration, <laughs> uh, type stuff. So. Um, but it's, like, again, hunting-focused podcast. Why are they talking so much about habitat restoration? It's because they go hand-in-hand. Hand. Yeah. Um, and then some other just interesting ones from the Meteor group or Meteor itself. Really cool conversations about the outdoors. Touch on native plants a little bit. Uh, Bear grease is more historical, where they really dive into history. And uh, you hear about the people, but how they're utilizing their environments. Uh, there's a really cool series on Daniel Boone um, and – they have some really cool stuff there, and then Wired to Hunt again, hunting podcast, part of Meat Eater, and then they're talking about habitat restoration. We should, again. Kyle Lieberger was on that we
1: podcast. Should, so. We should probably bring up Cut and Retire. Yeah, yeah. Which Cut is, and Retie. Uh, Joe Cermelli, who was yep. used to be part of the Meat Eater blanket, yeah, was at the Bend yep. podcast. Yes, yep. You know, fishing habitat. We talked to him about creating good fishing habitat. Oh yeah. Uh, what was? I don't know if it was a podcast or not. I remember you talking about. It's like a family that does, like, bison? Is it? like? Oh. Is that a podcast?
2: One that I was going to bring up that I forgot to add to this list because I couldn't remember the name is there's – so Regenerative Farming Yeah, has a lot of – and there's a lot of Regenerative Agricultural Podcasts out there. Um, a lot of that is incorporating using native vegetation for grazing for the animals. Okay. Also because of the perk, it's giving back to wildlife yeah. as well. And, uh, but there's the big brand, uh, in there is called force of nature Meats, Okay. Um, or the Rome ranch. They have a podcast called where hope grows. That's the one I was. And thinking of, yeah. that's uh, some pretty cool stories too. They had like one of the first episodes, they're actually like walking through like a bison harvest that's, and they actually yeah. will sell, I don't want to say sell it, but they will offer that as like a, a package that you can come to their ranch and like take part in the bison harvest. Yeah. Um, it's like, a, you got to pay for it, but it's like part of, it's like an experience you can pay for to be closer to like the actual product and kind of return to some of those ancestral roots. But, uh, when I saw the topic, I was like, huh, I don't know how, what that's going to sound like, like as a podcast, yeah. but they really walk you through it. And it's like, um, it, it's a little bit like spiritual in a way. Okay. Cause it's a it's a part of life, yeah. and um, and they kind of walk you through that way, and uh, so yeah, it's really interesting. I it's something I wished again. I wish I had time to listen to more, and um, also someone that we want to have on at yeah. some point to kind of walk through how you can have that balance of being a, a or having meat in your diet and yeah. also thinking about the planet. So
1: I mean, that's a lot we gave. Um, not even the affili- affiliated pods. We did seventeen, and then another oh, nine. Yeah. So yeah, we gave you twenty-six. And we're gonna That's see, enough.
2: To- we're going to see our listens go. <laughs> 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 in the next couple of weeks, people are going to be listening to other stuff. But, no, Take it's em. just it's like we said. It's some of the stuff. If you really crave this and you want to know more, or you came in as a beginner to us and you're like, oh, this is we kind of open the door and try and make it easily to access, but you want to get more in depth. Some
1: of these Those are, are
2: some of the places you can do it in the field that you actually want to learn.
1: You know, we, I, I think, I don't know how we missed it, but I think we should mention a native plant every day.
2: That's a good idea. <laughs> actually, when I was, part of this was, because I, I can't remember them all, and I don't follow them all. So uh, I would go through and I was just like, oh, yeah, so native plants, healthy planet. What are some similar podcasts to that? Because it gives
1: you the list yeah. at the bottom of Apple yeah. podcast.
2: And then, uh, na- yeah, Native Plant Every Day showed up a lot.
1: So our producer, Christiane, it it was formerly a Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. It's, it's being changed to a Native Plant Every Day. And Christiane, who produced Season 2, is a, a regular member of Season 3. She put together a really interesting season uh, where each week has a topic. So it's like champion trees of New Jersey. It's invasive species. Mm-hmm. It's – It's really she would take a creative person like that. Yeah, she went in a different direction. So every week has a different theme, uh, and we're really excited. And we're going to actually we're shooting to start recording that next month in December. Yeah. So and uh, it should be ready to go in March. It's going to be somewhere between eight and nine weeks. But if if you like it, we've we already have something like seventy two episodes out there, Uh, but they're short. They're They're 10 to 20 minutes long. So if if you have a moment, add that to your queue and start listening to those one a day. Uh, Listen in order. Uh, Don't start from the end of season two and work backwards. You kind of have to go forward. So start at season one and work forward. I I promise you it gets better as it goes. And uh, season three is only about four months away. So All right. So I do have a take it or leaf it for you. Gorilla Gardening. Take it or leave it. So you, you see the, yeah. the videos of the people out in San Francisco with yeah. the, the salt shakers filled with seed, and they'll go through open spaces in cities, or there's an open lot, and they'll just garden it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it can be native plant based. A lot of the time, it is, but it doesn't have to. It can just be food plots, things like that. Mm-hmm. What do you feel about yeah, guerrilla gardening? Well. I am going to go back one cuz I forgot one podcast okay, and that's ahead. one called uh
2: called Wild Turkey Science. Which again, <laughs> if you didn't know, I listen to a lot of hunting podcasts. I think I've said that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but that one again, it's hunting based but it's like the process is the same. You want wild turkeys, it's going to be the same thing as if Great. you want butterflies. Good Basically, down. it's a lot is having the right plants. Yeah. And a lot of the plants are the same because turkeys eat insects and insects are pollinators sometimes, so yes. Where the larval stages are important. If you want birds, it's it's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's the it changes where you are in together. the country or what kind of your ecosystem is. But It's the same thing. But it it's will the allow same you, process will take you to a hundred. It will
1: allow things. you to view a lot of the same topics we talk about from a different perspective. Yep. a lot of yep, these yep, podcasts. Sure. So, like you're going to find a lot of similar conversations just from a different perspective, which is always good. It's yeah. always good to, to hear it from yeah. someone else's view. Yeah.
2: So, guerrilla gardening. Yes. Uh, in
1: it does a lot of good, am, but do you condone it?
2: 99% against it because <laughs> I don't think it's the right thing to do um, from a legal standpoint. I think it's it's something – if you look at it the other way – because we're looking yeah. at okay, well, this is good for the environment. And you do all this, all that. Yeah. If you looked at it the other way and someone – you're rewilding your, your lawn yeah. and someone looks at it and says – man, they must be going through a hard time. Maybe their mower broke or they broke their foot or something's going on with them. They got family issues. I'm going to go and mow mow their lawn for them. Yeah. Are you going to be happy?
1: No, probably not.
2: No, and (laughs) I guess where it falls in the gray area is if the the landowner is not, or, or like, is absent, um, whether it either doesn't have an owner or it has, um, like, it's an abandoned property so the owner isn't there, like... There's no one. And to you really have the upset. ability to
1: tend it when no one's tending it.
2: But I, I prefer the Kyle Liebarger method of going up to the, like going on to the person, knocking on the door and saying, hey, you have something really special here. I, can I take care of it for you? Yeah. I think that is a better approach than just going, just going nuts.
1: I, I'm going to use the age old quip. It depends. Yeah. And it's, yeah. um, you know, I look at some of these videos and say it's a uh, street tree pit that the mm. tree died and it's just vacant. And the, the city yeah. may not do anything for a year or two. And you, you plant some seed for native perennials and it does some pollinator good until that situation gets fixed. Is it causing damage? No. Does it Does it brighten up that area? Yes. It, it does a lot of positives. The, the one negative is you didn't ask permission. So yeah. – I agree. Like, so many of these answers would be yes if you asked. Mm-hmm. I think you could circumvent a lot of the gorilla aspect of this if you just knocked on a door or, or wrote a letter. And sometimes you're not going to get an answer. And sometimes the answer is going to be no. Yeah. But if you get six yeses out of 10, yeah, 10 asks, is that that bad?
2: Yeah. And it's again, it's one of those things like I'm just thinking of more examples. And, uh, if if someone says well or there's that little plot and you could you could spread your you think oh i want to spread wildflower seeds there but then someone else could think well i'm going to plant a, a like a green bean bush there
1: <laughs> it's, cuz it's anarchy yeah. i mean it's, it's you could have three what makes different you ideas. more right than them
2: yeah um they're both in a way Presenting some good, it's, your food versus food for pollinators.
1: It's like if you so, if you graffiti a wall and someone else comes by and goes, "That's pretty crappy graffiti." I'm going to do better. Like, can you be mad because yeah. you did something you shouldn't have done anyway? And you have yeah. someone that has a different idea or changes it or messes yeah. it up. Although graffiti really has, other than it can be beautiful, it doesn't really have the same kind of impact. As yeah, yeah, the ecological
2: yeah. value
1: to it, but. Yeah. Um, I think it yeah. depends for me. I It's hard to condone something that you know is wrong. Yes. Even though you can see the positives in it. So how can you do it better? Yeah. And I agree. I think if you can ask permission and you work on the places, just think about it. Like instead of just strolling by and sprinkling some seed, if you had permission and you could actually spend time there and do better work – than just sprinkling some seed and getting better success mm-hmm. isn't. Wouldn't that be worth it? But I guess yeah. you know sometimes it's you have limited time, limited resources. You 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 spread yourself as far as you can, and yeah, and you go there, yeah. Whether you I'm have just, permission or not,
2: I'm just thinking about something too. Um, kind of based off my example because that now it is a somewhat real story. Uh, talked about Kyle Lieberger a lot today. Um, he had gotten permission from a boat ramp near where he lives to manage it for uh for native plant diversity and then for the second time this year someone came in and mowed it oh and they had eyewitnesses kind of describe describe the tractor and he's like well i called the landowner yeah uh, like he's like i called the highway department they didn't do it they called the city they didn't do it i called uh, the county they didn't do it i called the the whatever they didn't do it so who did it <laughs> and yeah. then he's like eventually he boiled down he's like i think of a nearby homeowner thought he was helping out by mowing and he's like oh they don't they can't send someone out to mow i don't think it looks nice i'm gonna take care so of i'm it. just gonna take care of it because i'm helping out so i guess in a way that guy's gorilla gardening and because they didn't like kyle's gorilla that's garden, very
1: true that's very true,
2: and not that Kyle Kyle had permission to be there,
1: but but you know yeah. what? That's where signage plays a key.
2: Yeah. Well, he that was the thing is he had signs up. Too. Oh, did he have signs yeah, up in the, the guy person just went still around, the, like, oh. Oh. around the? I was literally mowed around the signs. The signs said no spraying, no mowing. Just mowed right around them. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. um, yeah, but uh,
1: no, but that's he's, that's guerrilla gardening too. The person if you, if you who see did something.
2: that might have been looking at Kyle and thinking, oh, this guy's just doing it. He doesn't have permission to be there. He's just putting up these
1: signs. Well, that's the other thing. It's it depends on your view. If yeah. if someone went out and planted all these native plants, and then yeah. someone mows it, who's right and who's yeah, wrong? Yeah, it's, it, again, of you it's have one permission. of those things. It's like how
2: do you know? How do you know it's not being managed? There isn't a plan there. It's yeah. again, ignorance is bliss, and uh, and it is <laughs> it is tough. It is tough walking around knowing all these things, knowing all these things and. Seeing like how how like bad things can be. Yeah. No, I agree. And uh and having the moral dilemmas, the ethical dilemmas that that come along with it. But yeah, I I I don't I see the I see the point behind it. I just don't think it's the right way to go about it. Yeah. And I think there are better ways to go about it. Now if you went say there was the band of tree pits and you said, Well, I'm gonna do it the right way and go to the city it's going to take you a year or it, yeah. more to do it. And it's and then it's going to be like a real thing. They're going to say no or they're going to approve it. But it's like, okay, can't you just find someone else who will just let you do it? Yeah. Is it would it be better to go to your, say you don't have, you live in a city, you don't have a place. You know uh, there's a community garden down the street or there's a, a neighbor who has like a little bit of lawn. Like wouldn't it be better to say, go ask them if you can use some of their space then just go and do random stuff. Um I don't know. It's I, don't know. It I well depends. I I personally I think yes that is better. Uh, and cuz then you know it's going to be continually managed. Very true. Cuz you're going to have more investment in it. But um yeah. Yeah. All right. I, there's there tons go. of places I look at and I'm like oh that would be great if I had some native plants
1: there. So are you definitely right. leafing it? I'm in the middle. I can't pick Yeah, no.
2: I'm, I'm leafing it. I don't think it's the right thing to do. I, like, although it is better for the ecosystem, I think you can have more of an impact doing if you it ask. The right way.
1: I, you know what? I agree with you. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to say, if you can get permission, you can do a lot more good. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can make a bigger impact mm-hmm. if if yep. you just ask those questions and maybe maybe you have that conversation with someone that go, I never thought about that. Maybe I'll. Yeah. I'll, I'll do that as well.
2: And it's so you have that abandoned tree pit. Yeah. Like, the city is eventually going to come and fill it. Yeah, eventually. Right to whatever. the city and say, hey, I noticed this. I would like to file a complaint that I... it doesn't have a tree. Yeah. Like, because you're even if you seed it with native plants, they're,
1: eventually they're going to come they're and fill rip it. it and they're
2: going to rip it all out. Yeah. Can I adopt
1: so, or ask, can I adopt a tree pit? Can yeah. Can I take care of this tree pit?
2: Yeah. I think, like, you might get more. is a good thing. Yeah. You might get more progress by by filing those complaints and being active that way than just going rogue.
1: I agree. So. I like talking through these things yeah. sometimes because it's amazing how it just takes another five minutes of discussing it to kind of maybe change your your thought on it. Yeah. So I thought I was going to go one way, and I'm leafing it. I thought I was going to end up taking it, go, going into it. Yeah. But I yeah. think I feel different after having the conversation, and that's uh, why I, it's important to have that conversation.
2: Yeah. I think a lot of it for me is just it's going to, the people who don't understand it is going to leave a really bad taste in their mouth. And that's how you're going to build up animosity against that mission, not for that mission. No, you're, you're right. So, yeah, you're
1: absolutely right.
2: Yeah. Because you're going to have, especially when you look at what it can be go along with. Like the guys in the, the people in San Francisco. Yeah. Were they skateboarding and doing it?
1: Yeah. They, they were using one wheels. Yeah. Like, and, and you're going to uh,
2: have people looking at them and saying, look at these. Like young hippie hooligans, yeah, and it's and they're
1: like I, they're doing something that's good, good for the world. Yeah,
2: I'm not saying they aren't, but you're gonna turn people off just because of how they're doing it.
1: That pretty much seals that we're not going to have them on as a guest. Well, I did reach out to them and they never yeah, they, they might, never responded. They could,
2: they could talk me out of it. There's a lot of things that I've that's been true. really firm on that I changed my <laughs> mind on.
1: So hello the, cultivars. Yeah, the, the phrase I always <laughs>
2: like to use. Is I used to. Well, I. I gotta rephrase it because that's we're this kid's show here. I used to poop my pants, but I don't anymore. But I probably will in the future. It's like things change all the time. And so Oh
1: that's good. Yeah, that's good. All right. I I say we end it on that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So with that, we're gonna be wrapped up. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed listening to the buzz. Thank you, everyone, for listening. to Native plants, healthy planet, presented by Pinelands Nursery.
1: Thank you, RJ Comer, for our buzz intro theme music. Uh, wouldn't be the same without you. Make sure you stream or buy RJ's music wherever you consume music, or check out his Americana playlist on Pandora. Thank you to Dave Bennett for our native plant anthem. You can follow us on Twitter, or I should say X. I guess I should update that. You can follow us on X at Pine eh, Land just Nursery. Keep Facebook at Pinelands Nursery NJ, Instagram at Native Plants underscore Healthy Planet, and YouTube at Pinelands Nursery. Uh, don't forget about the question and comment line. You can call us just like Saul did. Call us at 215-346-6189. I will repeat that. 215-346-6189. It's also in the show notes. You can ask a question or leave a comment. We'll do our best to play it on a future episode of the buzz. And again, thank you to all of the members in the Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group. And there's a wonderful post going out right now about adding um, Native Plants Healthy Planet merch to your Christmas list. I saw that, yeah. Which, which I think I, I'm 100% for. And
2: I'll, I'm going to fill everyone in yeah. on something because uh, we've missed it the last couple of years. But Black Friday is coming around and oh. Cyber Monday. And do do I have, we have a code? I have made a personal mission to to have something ready, like new things on yeah. the store ready for black friday we cannot miss on this yeah uh, monumentous event can we do a discount code we're gonna do a discount code okay but i haven't come up with it yet okay so if you want the discount code we're gonna give it away on our next episode which actually airs on black friday so all perfect right. Timing, you right perfect yes. so and good news is you don't have to to wake up or go out right after thanksgiving oh. and dinner and wake up a minute, 5 a.m. You can grab your the, phone. What, five, yeah. We launched at 5, five, five so a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Eastern Standard Time. That's when you'll get the earliest you can get the discount code. And I honestly, I don't think these things sell out. I think they can print as many as you want. So. Yeah. It's, um, it's not like you got to rush there to, to get them. And we're going to leave that open probably all weekend until awesome. through Monday and then uh, then shut it down. So
1: What a great yeah. gift.
2: Yeah. And uh, I do have to figure out how the discount codes work. Because I know in the past I've tried them and they, uh,
1: we were trying to do individual yeah. ones for prizes. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And it's uh it's like on the the site because you can't discount it more than we would make. Yeah, is basically what it is. like, yeah. So I, it's it'll probably be ten percent. Okay. I think is probably the number. All right, but you'll know Regardless, for sure yeah. next week.
1: All right, perfect. A week
2: from today. So and yeah, you can go on uh, even right now. If say you want to, you don't want a discount. You want to buy a full <laughs> price. You don't want to wait. <laughs> Go on our, our website, which is www.nativeplantshealthyplant.com, and uh, there's a link right at the top. Or maybe you just want to scout out and see, hey, what do they have on there? So I'm ready to go right yes. at 5 a.m. when I hear this code. And um, you can go on there and uh, and find our existing designs, and next week you'll we'll be able to see some of our new designs. And um, and we don't keep any of the profits from that. Uh, the The... T-shirt house keeps their cut for what it costs yes. them. Yeah. And then the money that goes to us, we just kind of flip right you back donate. out yeah. to organizations we think really deserve it. So uh, the other thing that you can do that does a lot of, of help for us, um, not financially, but for our hearts is leaving us five-star reviews. Uh, so whatever platform you're listening on, if you have the ability to leave a review, uh, a five-star review goes a long way for us. Uh, hit subscribe. If you haven't already, and uh, if you do a little write-up with that review, then I give you a shout-out on our Buzz episodes. So awesome. and whatever future contests we have we will probably enter you in that because a lot of them we go off of who's left a, a write-up for a five-star Very review. True. So, Very true. Very
1: yeah. true. Awesome. Um, I don't think we have a uh, a secret today. Well, I...
2: Well, I, the discount code's sec- a secret. My secret was that I I used to poop my pants.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm, it's... Well, not a secret, <laughs> but it's applicable to just about everybody. Um, I,
1: I think that works.
2: Yeah, but uh, well, I kind of gave it away. Let me think real quick. Oh um, well, my! My brother-in-law got married over the last weekend, and uh, I. It's been a while since I told a funny story about Graham, my son, who's now three and a half almost. And um, during the rehearsal dinner, he's he's or the rehearsal for the wedding the night before. Uh, we all practice like walking down the aisle and I, my wife was a bridesmaid. I escorted the grandmother down, uh, down the aisle. And, um, and Graham was the ring bearer. And we all kind of funnel in at at an appropriate speed. Yeah. And, uh, then Graham is taking forever and I can't really see him from, and then he's like shuffling. And I'm like, is he scared? Like what's going on? And then people are like, come on, Graham, hurry up. And he's like, I'm walking like a penguin. (laughs) 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 I'm like, well, walk walk like a lion or walk like a cheetah, get down here already <laughs> he's just like no, I'm walking like a penguin, and um follow up on that he he actually did that in the uh the, the ceremony the ceremony too. he did um a little bit not as not he was a little bit faster, but he was telling my wife today that uh he loved being in the wedding because he got the dress and walk like a penguin and uh and then when people were he's like all the people were looking at me and taking my picture and smiling at me so i smiled back like a penguin (laughs) (laughs) that's a great story
1: that's a great story awesome so yeah with that thank you everyone i'm tom and i am fran thank you again everyone coming up next week we have beth yount who was a former guest that's coming back on from uh penn state cooperative extension and we're talking about the myths and uh the myths of mosquito, or the mm-hmm. the myths and truths about mosquito control. So it's something we've talked about many times, and it's nice to actually get an expert on to discuss that. So we'll see you again next week, mm-hmm. and until then, keep it native.
0: Woods, wetlands, and dales Grows a bounty of beauty that never fails Our native plants, so diverse and so rare Treasures of our land beyond compare From the friends below, soaring oaks above Each plant has a place each family's love Monarch caterpillars, monks, milk, weeds so tall Bees buzzed about, sipping lectins all Oh native plants, how do you grace this land In your diversity, we will take a preserve, second To protect and preserve the Earth to restore the plan plant move that you just can't ignore. The flowers galore. Menard is so stunning can't help but adore. Their colors, the fragrance, a boost for the eyes. Their value too wild like no need to disguise. Native clan, shall you grace this land? In your diversity, we will take a stand.